This Saturday, the two major presidential candidates will appear together at a forum at Rick Warren Saddleback Church in California. We'll discuss the questions they should be asked for the benefit of Bible-believing Christians. And we'll talk to best-selling author Jerry Jenkins of Left Behind fame, who has just published what he calls his life work. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's one small step for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. If Russia does not step back from its aggressive posture and actions in Georgia... The U.S.-Russian relationship could be adversely affected for years to come. By the way, did you notice that Vladimir Putin uh, actually launched this attack on Georgia the same week that uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn died? I think that's very interesting. That was Defense Secretary Robert Gates. Uh, the Pentagon had a news conference today. He was talking about the U.S. relationship with Russia, saying it's at a crossroads. Now, uh, Georgian President uh, Sashkashvili uh told a news conference, his own news conference, that the attack on Georgia uh, and a pipeline there, you think this is not all about oil, it's in large part about oil, this shows that Russia has other motives behind its military actions on his country. If you talk about the real motivations of perpetrators of this war, I think the closest thing you get to is this pipeline attack. Certainly there is a pipeline, the only pipeline that's not uh, under Russian control uh, that they've got their eyes on. They were unable to destroy it uh, when they attacked it. They certainly wrecked havoc in Georgia, though. Georgian President, again, Mikhail Sashkashvili, says Russian forces have shown they are not just there to defend South Ossetia. Why they were attacking pipelines if they just wanted to solve territorial issues or to enforce, as they are saying, peace in concrete area? We will continue uh, and hear a little bit more from Robert Gates and talk about uh, what some people are recommending as uh, solutions or action steps, including John McCain. He has a great piece in the Wall Street Journal today. But uh, when a very popular author pens his life's work, we probably ought to find out more about it. Jerry Jenkins has just released his 175th book. He's had some hits like the 16 Left Behind books which he co-authored with Tim LaHaye, but he has many other books. He's going to join us next segment uh, to talk about his new novel, Riven, and just uh, what it's like to be uh, a best-selling Christian author. Also, on Saturday, the first uh, appearance by both John McCain and Barack Obama at the same place during the campaign, during the 2008 campaign season, after the primaries were over, 
Uh, well, guess where it is? It's at Rick Warren's Saddleback Church in California. Uh, it's called the Saddleback Civil Forum on Leadership and Compassion. Rick Warren is all about compassion, fighting AIDS around the world and helping the poor. And apparently he's going to ask the candidates questions. So what is he going to ask? Certainly, as I said, he will ask about AIDS. He will ask about the poor. But what about some of the other issues that Christians care about? Colin Hanna, who has been um, a guest uh, periodically on this program, has put together a meeting of pro-family leaders set for the very next day on Sunday. And at that time, they're going to react to what was said at this forum and decide how to proceed, how to respond. And I think the question sort of is, is do these candidates get the evangelicals and do they think they're going to get a better understanding of the evangelical pro-family movement from being at Rick Warren's church? All those questions on the table. We'll talk with Colin Hanna a little bit later in the program. But let's go back to this Russian issue uh, for just uh, to talk about a little bit about what we should do. Now, Defense Secretary Robert Gates uh, says what we should not do. He does not foresee the need for the use of U.S. military force. The United States um, spent 45 years working very hard to avoid a military confrontation with Russia. I see no reason to change that approach today. Defense Secretary Gates saying that Russia must pay a price for what it has done in Georgia. There need to be some consequences uh, for, um, uh, for the actions that Russia has taken against a sovereign state. Of course, we have uh, airlifted now some humanitarian aid, and uh, Defense Secretary Gates said U.S. involvement will only be humanitarian. I don't see um, any prospect uh, for uh, the use of military force. Uh, by the United States in this situation. But the people who are there doing this uh, humanitarian aid, many of them are military, and I think that sends a big statement uh, to Russia. I think the U.S. is sort of finding its voice on this issue. Uh, But uh, let's hear what John McCain had to say about it today in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, He actually gives a history lesson, and then he says that the world has learned at great cost the price of allowing aggression against free nations to go unchecked. And uh, there have been others that have said that uh, the U.S. should have suspected this would happen eventually. A ceasefire uh, that holds is a vital first step, but only one. Now, there is a ceasefire. It was uh, brokered by Sarkozy, the French president and the president of the European Union. But uh, there has been a lot of Russian aggression since that ceasefire. And uh, so they're they're calling their uh, incursions into various areas peacekeeping. That's their definition of it. McCain goes on to say, with our allies, we now must stand in united purpose to persuade the Russian government to end violence permanently and withdraw its troops from Georgia. And I think that's going to be a tall order. Would they would they withdraw all their troops from Georgia? I doubt it. International monitors, says McCain, must gain immediate access to war-torn areas in order to avert an even greater humanitarian disaster. And we should ensure that emergency aid is lifted by air and sea uh, is delivered. And that just doesn't mean get into the country, but delivered to the people that have been devastated and that uh, need it. Uh, Then he's talking about NATO. And he says, as the NATO Secretary General has said, Georgia remains in the line. They're in line. They want to be in NATO. And uh, he says he hopes NATO will uh, will move ahead with a membership track 
for both Georgia and Ukraine. And at the same time, John McCain writes, again in the Wall Street Journal, we must make clear to Russia's leaders that the benefits they enjoy from being part of the civilized world require their respect for the values, stability, and peace of that world. Uh, The U.S. has canceled a planned joint military exercise with Russia. And, of course, a lot of people are talking about things like the World Trade Organization, which Russia would like to be a member of. Uh, There are certain responsibilities that go with being part of that. Now, Charles Krauthammer also uh, gave his prescriptions, and he's a good thinker and columnist. Uh, He says these are four things that should be done. Suspend the NATO-Russian Council established in 2002 to help bring Russia closer to the West. Make clear that this dissolution will follow, that dissolution of the council will follow. And uh, this gives, uh, this council gives Russia a seat at the NATO table and they don't belong there, he says. He says the message uh, that uh, would accompany that would be invade, invading neighboring uh, democracies forfeits the seat. Then he wants us to bar Russian entry to the World Trade Organization. And dissolve the G8, the group of eight, uh, the uh, developed countries. They're supposed to be all free nations. And the G8, once uh, Russia's been in it, has uh, been fairly ineffective anyway. So just dissolve it. Uh, Putin's dictatorial presence, says Krauthammer, long made it a farce, but no one wanted to upset the bear by expelling it. No need to. The seven democracies just withdraw, and then they announce the reconstitution of the original G7. Uh, These are the U.S. and European nations, basically, and and just developed nations. Then, number four, Krauthammer says, announce a U.S.-European boycott of the 2014 Winter Olympics at Sochi. To do otherwise would be obscene because Sochi is 15 miles from Abkhazia, the other Georgian province just invaded by Russia. The Games will become a riveting contest between the Russians, Belarusian, and Jamaican bobsled teams, and on and on. Uh, But these are some of the things we should do. We don't have to go in with our military, and we shouldn't do that right now, but we need to be very, very tough. Are you watching the Olympics? Of course we are, and there's always been this human rights uh, underlying theme. And uh, speaking of areas that countries want to remain under their control, Tibet is uh, that area of China. And the Tibetan spiritual leader, the Dalai Lama, actually spoke out. Uh, He he does concur, and he's happy that President Bush made some statements about Chinese human rights. Recently, I heard that President Bush express his concern of democracy, transparency, and religious freedom, human rights, these things. I fully agree. But he says he also supports China's right to host the Olympics. The people of China deserve to take as a host the Olympic Games. The people of China deserve this. Uh, the uh, Dalai Lama saying China should become part of the international community, but with that should come democracy, human rights, and religious freedom to China. Should not isolate China. Must bring into the mainstream of world community. President Bush said that, too, and I think he communicated that uh, by going to the Olympics and spending so much time there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Democrats are writing their platform, and uh, as Tony Perkins uh, said in his update, this is not your grandparents' Democrat Party, and uh, we'll talk about the platform in a moment. But one big campaign issue is also drilling, and of course that's still a battle. The Republicans are still in the House (laughs) asking Nancy Pelosi to come back and vote on it. Two days ago, the House GOP expressed doubts about reports 
that uh, Speaker Pelosi was newly open to have a debate and vote on offshore drilling. Here is a report from John Klein. Actually, this is not a report. This is Representative John Klein of Minnesota. The Speaker has been out on her book tour and has been saying consistently, at least until last night, that there would be no vote on drilling. She apparently indicated last night that she might be open to such drilling. I suppose we'll see. In the meantime, we're demanding that she bring us back into session now so that we can vote. Some of the issues are very, very clear. The lines are starting to be drawn. Uh, In a sense, I think these communications that Pelosi would be open to drilling may have been an attempt to blur the lines to help people uh, to accept, especially in conservative Democrat districts, uh, their, uh, to support their, uh, their members of Congress who are there and now home campaigning. But uh, there are other issues that are also drawing lines, and we ought to be paying attention to these uh, with regard to the upcoming Democratic convention. Before these conventions, platform committees get together and they write the platform for the party. And this is a pretty democratic process because it comes up from the grassroots, usually from the local uh, platforms all the way up to the state to the national convention. But Tony Perkins says that the platform being written right now as we speak uh, is not your grandparents' Democratic uh, Party platform. Uh, Same-sex marriage is there, advocating it. Abortion on demand is in it, of course. Uh, Comprehensive sex education, which is just giving people, you know, the full range of ways to avoid pregnancy, including everything up to intercourse. Um, Also, well, Perkins, Tony Perkins of Family Research Council says that this is the most radical platform ever to make an appearance at the Democratic Convention. They are calling for the repeal of the Defense of Marriage Act, which was actually passed and signed under Bill Clinton, and also the repeal of the military's don't ask, don't tell policy for homosexuals in the military. They want full homosexual participation in the military. They're putting in writing their intent to defeat any effort to weaken Roe versus Wade. Uh, and uh, they are basically moving to the radical left on the social issues And we're going to talk a little bit later about the position of one of the candidates on abortion. It's even more radical than you think. Well, next up, uh, we are going to be joined by Jerry Jenkins. And uh, he's written a new book called Ribbon. Some of the themes in the book are discouragement of Christians, also resurrection, redemption. Uh, But I also want to ask him what it's like uh, after post left behind. I mean, how do you top that? We'll have that after this on Jerry Johnson Live. Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. 
Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Chriswell College. It's Mac at Night. See Chriswell.edu. That's Chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. But this is more than just about standing our ground. It must be about more than protecting the gains of the past. We're at a crossroads right now in America, and we have to move this country forward. This election is not just about playing defense. It's also about playing offense. It's not just about defending what is. It's about creating what might be in this country. And that's what we've got to work together on. That's Barack Obama and the group he's uh talking about working together with is Planned Parenthood. That was a speech to Planned Parenthood. It's not exactly the same kind of wording he'll hear, he'll be uh, using when he appears at Saddleback Church this weekend with John McCain, their first appearance jointly before uh, any group since the actually uh, the 2008 campaign began. And uh, he uh, he's going to have some interesting statements. I wonder if they'll line up with these promises to Planned Parenthood. We'll talk about that later in the program. But with us uh, right now is a very special guest. He's Jerry Jenkins, and he has sold more inspirational fiction than any other writer on the market. Uh, he's got 175-plus books, and uh, the most famous probably out of these are the 16 left-behind books that he co-authored with uh, Tim LaHaye, and a lot of you have enjoyed those over the years. I know I have, but no one has sold more inspirational fiction than uh, Jerry Jenkins. He says this this latest novel that he is publishing right now, it's called Riven, is actually his life's work, and that's a pretty long career. Jerry, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Penna. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, why is this book your life's work? Well, I determine whether a fiction idea has legs by how long the idea stays with me. And uh, I actually got the idea for this book more than 20 years ago, and uh, I was distracted by a few little projects like Left Behind and a few other things. And uh, finally, uh, it just kept rattled around in my brain, and I would tell it to my wife or to my kids, and and, uh, I just couldn't wait to get to it. It became a passion. So when I finally found the time to to get to this one, there was... Nothing about it that seemed like a chore. I, I was drawn back to the keyboard every day, and I'm just thrilled with how it came out. You know, I sort of have to parallel this with uh, Tim LaHaye because um, I knew uh, Tim LaHaye post uh, left behind or pre left behind well before those books uh, were even written, and uh, even had some times to have uh, meals with Tim and Beverly LaHaye, where he would sit around and just kind of mull over with us and talking about this idea of a pilot and the uh, airplane and the passengers would be, you know, gone and their clothes would be folded. And he just, you know, would talk about that a little bit. And, you know, I honestly was shocked when it turned out to be a novel and then a best-selling novel. Of course, you co-wrote these and then all these uh, many versions of it. But it sort of parallels the fact that something that really sort of won't go away from you usually ends up something pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, he he had a passion for that idea, and and when it came to him that, you know, he'd written a lot of books uh, about the end times, nonfiction books, and they did fairly well. But but he realized that everywhere he looked, people were reading novels, and uh, you know, he's not a novelist. So you know, we got connected, and and uh, our my agent said, you know, Tim is a nonfiction writer with a novel idea, and you're a novelist with no idea. Hmm. So he got us together, and 
and uh, and it worked out. But I but you're right. It's it, when when you when you produce something from your passion, it really it really should turn out better than anything else. All right. I understand, Riven, uh, that the title was taken from an old hymn. Tell us about that. Well, it's it's from the lyric of uh, Rock of Ages that refers to to Christ's riven side. And when you hear it in that context, most people know that riven means to split or tear apart, to cut, to sever. And uh, uh, it's kind of an interesting archaic word, and people of my vintage know what it means, but a lot of young people, I think, I I hope they're just curious about it, and and it makes them want to pick it up and just find out. But um, I I got the idea for this book. I was at an evangelical uh, retreat, but it was at a Catholic retreat center, and this was more than 20 years ago. And I had never really studied a crucifix before. You know, being Protestant, we always said that we worship the Christ of the empty tomb, not the Christ who hangs on the cross. And and so I just had never really given it much more thought past that. And, and when I really took a hard look at this crucifix that was hanging in my room, uh, I was really struck by the fact that our Catholic friends don't try to beautify the crucifixion. I mean, I saw the, the thorns and the blood and the spikes through the hands and feet and the riven side, and it, it really uh, made an impact on me, and I, I started bouncing ideas around of what if somebody chose to be crucified, and uh, and it was modern day, and uh, you know you start mixing that with characters and just thinking about it over the years, and, and pretty soon it becomes something you just have to get to. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've got a question for Jerry Jenkins, here's your chance. 800-881-9270 is the number. Okay, Jerry, there are themes of, of crucifixion uh, in this book. And also redemption, I've noticed. And just in the news before the show came on, uh, KCBI reported on Michael Rodriguez, who was supposed to be put to death tonight in the state of Texas. And uh, part of this report, and this is for killing a police officer, but part of this report was that he dropped all appeals and said he deserves it. And I just thought, wow, with Jerry Jenkins coming in and talking about this book, uh, there are certainly some... um, redemptive, I guess, parallels in your book to show that uh, we all need it, don't we? Yeah, we really do, and and uh, and that is actually what happens to my character. Um, he he has a godly aunt who takes him to Sunday school as a child, but nothing ever seems to stick. He doesn't become a believer. He doesn't act like a Christian, and he lives this life of crime and eventually commits a murder, winds up on death row. My other main character is a is a small church pastor who becomes weary and well-doing and gets stepped on by church boards and politics and petty people and, and finally gives up the pastor and becomes a prison chaplain. And that's how these characters get together. When Brady, the criminal, re- remembers what he was taught as a kid and decides, if there's a heaven and if there's a hell, I'm going to hell, he doesn't even hope for, for forgiveness or reconciliation to God. He just wants to avoid hell. So he asks to see the chaplain. And the chaplain, who's been so burned by everybody and hasn't really seen any success in his ministry, basically tells him, if you're just trying to trying to pull an angle on me, don't waste my time. But if you're sincere, then I have good news for you. And uh, Brady has the same feeling that he, he knows he's guilty, and he abandons all appeals and really forces the issue. Now, I don't know about the story that's local there, whether this was uh, prompted by uh, a turning to faith or if he just realizes that he's guilty and wants to die but my character wants to die and also wants to be crucified not to atone for his own sin he realizes he can't do that but to show people what jesus really went through on our behalf and uh, so that becomes the, the crux of the story 
Right. So I'd love to ask you if he really goes through with it, but I won't ask you because you probably won't tell me. But <laughs> Jerry Jenkins is with me, and of course, uh, these books uh, that he writes have so many plot lines that they're they're just fascinating and riveting to read. But I want to ask you what your life is like because you've had tremendous success with your books over the years, and I know that you wrote about sports at the beginning. You've been with Moody uh, and their publishing uh, arm there. But uh, what's it like now? What's your life like? I mean, do you feel as driven to keep writing even after you've done 175 books? You know, I do feel obligated. Um, and it might sound like false modesty, but I, I really feel like I've only been given the one gift, and that's the gift of writing. And so I, I feel like I need to exercise it. Um, I certainly don't need to do it for, for a living. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in my late 50s now, and I you know, have everything I need. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I wasn't writing for the money to start with, and so I've still got things to say. And um, we have, you know, I own the Christian Writers Guild. We have, you know, several full-time employees and and a bunch of mentors who mentor people who want to take courses. And my son runs our film company out in Los Angeles. So life is still pretty busy and pretty hectic, but uh, it's great to be doing what you really love to do. You've got a lot of things going on, Jerry Jenkins, and I think it's always wonderful to see successful people then uh, working hard to uh, bring up the next generation of people who are going to be in ministry in some way, and certainly writing is a huge ministry. Just uh, before I let you go, and I just really appreciate you being with me today, what do you hope, I'm sure there are a lot of hopes but uh, what would be a couple of your top hopes that people would bring away from your newest novel, Riven? Well, I think there are two major themes that are really represented in the two main characters. With Brady Darby, the, the lifetime criminal, um, he lives a life of crime, and then virtually on his deathbed, he, he comes to faith and is assured of heaven, just like the thief on the cross next to Jesus. And people say, is that fair? You know, a guy lives a life of crime and then at the last minute gets to, to enjoy heaven. And the fact is, it's not fair. It's grace, and none of us deserves grace. Um, and and so it's it's a wonderful picture of redemption. And most of my readers are not going to be murderers who deserve to be put to death, but they do deserve hell. I mean, that's what the Bible says. We all have sinned. We we have. And and so if there's somebody who who feels like they've disappointed God, or they've fallen short, or they've sinned, or they have regrets, they're right. They have, and they don't deserve grace. But it's still there for the for the asking. And then with Thomas Carey, here's a man who's given his life to ministry and has, has uh, you know, been stepped on all the way and has to wonder whether there's any payoff this side of heaven for, for a life of devotion like that. And even if there wasn't, uh, I mean, even if, even if he hadn't had the Brady uh, success, in essence, I mean, here he has the success, leads, leads him to Christ, and, uh, and then walks him, him through this experience, and yet he's looking forward to uh, mourning and grief when, when uh, Brady is executed. So he's got uh, uh, both sides of the coin. But there's something there for people in Christian ministry as well, but it's, it's worth the effort. Hmm. Well, it sounds wonderful. Hey, I'm headed out on vacation next week. Uh, I didn't get to read my copy of Riven before this interview because... Uh, Things are pretty crazy around here. But I will be taking that on my vacation. And Jerry Jenkins, thank you so much for joining me today and just for a lifetime of great work. Oh, my pleasure. Hope you like the book. I'm sure I will if uh, other writings are any indication. That's Jerry Jenkins, and uh, the book is Ribbon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, next up we are going to talk about this candidate forum that will be taking place at Saddleback Church in uh, California. Rick Warren is the pastor. He'll be asking the questions. Uh, Do the candidates get evangelicals? We'll find out uh, from Colin Hanna. 
He is actually uh, going to sort of do a recap with pro-family leaders after this to plan how to deal with this. We're going to talk about all of those ins and outs right after this. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. There will always be people, many of goodwill, who do not share my view on the issue of choice. On this fundamental issue, I will not yield, and Planned Parenthood will not yield. Barack Obama and John McCain are going to take the opportunity to appear at Saddleback Church on Saturday, August 16th, this Saturday. It's called the Saddleback Civil Forum on Leadership and Compassion, and Dr. Rick Warren, founding pastor of this church, it's 22,000 members in Orange County, California. Uh, He announced this, and he also said uh, that he's going to ask some of the questions that the mainstream media does not ask Issues like poverty, HIV, AIDS, climate, and human rights. I wonder if he'll ask about uh, the right to life. We will uh, discuss this with our next guest. He is Colin Hanna, and he is president of Let Freedom Ring. Colin, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Hanna. Great to be back with you. Well, it's good to have you on. It's been a while, and I know that uh, you're a little bit concerned about this, as I am. And uh, you don't want to probably make a judgment on what's going to be said there, but you're certainly ready to evaluate afterwards, aren't you? Well, absolutely. In fact, we've set up an evaluation uh, system afterwards uh, that uh, you're probably aware of, but your listeners may not be. And that is that uh, half an hour after the end of that forum at Saddleback Church, uh, the organization that uh, puts you and me together, Penna, which is uh, newsguest.com, that does all of my talk show booking and as a firm that I actually helped get started, uh, Newsguest is going to have a nationwide uh, call-in conference call uh, just for reporters and uh, producers uh, where four or five noted evangelical leaders from across the country will comment on what they heard during the preceding two hours. And then uh, hopefully uh, producers like like yourself and and your producer and others will then start to use some of the sound from that. So I think it's important that uh, Rick Warren not be positioned as speaking for all evangelicals. I've got great respect for Rick Warren. Uh, our own Bible study uh, uh, had a very good time with uh, Purpose Driven Life. Uh, he's done a lot of good things, but he seems to be on his own personal kick right now, which is somewhere between... Uh, the kinds of things you see from uh, from sojourners on the one side and uh, from people like uh, uh, Rich Sizek from uh, the National Association of Evangelicals on the other, where he is now uh, completely overtaken by concern for global warming. Yes, the basic argument is valid that the evangelical world should not be concerned only about abortion and marriage. But I also think that abortion and marriage have perhaps the highest profile, and rightly so, among evangelicals who are looking at 
those points of contact between faith and public policy. There was a recent editorial, actually it was the the beginning piece that always uh, t- uh, is in World Magazine by Joel Bells, who's the publisher, and he I talked about this. He said, you know, people are saying this, this is a um, single-issue type phenomenon and that people who are pro-life, you know, need to get a life and go beyond this. Uh, but it's not really an either-or in a sense, Colin. If you are not concerned about the sanctity of human life and really the constitutional protections for life, I mean that is foundational. It's not like uh, it's not like you are uh, totally out there and extreme in your opinions. If that is bottom line for you, most non-evangelicals look at evangelicals who are concerned about public policy from entirely the wrong perspective, as if the evangelical kind of constructs his or her own hierarchy of issues. That's not the case. An evangelical is pro-life not because of a personal philosophical choice, but as a consequence of holding uh, high the authority and witness of Scripture. And all of the positions that an evangelical holds that are derived from faith are derived from that revelation in Scripture, and therefore are not ordered and prioritized by the individual voter. They are as it were, derived or discerned from God's Word. Now, I have a feeling that you're going to have a mixed reaction to this debate, in a sense. I mean, it's not really a debate, it's a forum. They're going to be asked questions. But um, what do you hope, or what would you hope in a perfect world that the two candidates would be asked by Rick Warren? Well, um, I'm not so concerned about what will be asked, although I do think it's critically important that Rick who is concerned about these other issues such as uh, poverty and and uh, and AIDS and uh, a variety of of other social issues that as i say are legitimately uh, part of the overall debate i hope that rick in his effort to promote that part of the agenda doesn't in fact give short shrift to the questions of life and the question of marriage which i think is uh, you could argue even uh, more clearly laid out in Scripture uh, than the notion of life, or at least as clearly. And in his effort to bring other subjects into the debate for evangelicals, I suspect that there's a pretty strong risk that he will, in effect, crowd out uh, those two major issues. If anybody's got any ideas what they would like to see Rick Warren ask Barack Obama and John McCain this Saturday, give us a call at 800-881-9270. My guest is Colin Hanna, and uh, Colin wants to make sure that everybody knows across the country, because most people aren't going to be watching this forum. It's on a Saturday. I I don't know if it'll even be televised. I imagine it will be. Do you know? It will be televised, and it's also available on the Internet. But you're right. It's going to be late enough. On a Saturday, uh, it's obviously three hours earlier on the West Coast, but it, uh, it's, it's going to be late enough that a lot of people aren't going to be paying attention. Many of the folks watching TV may be watching uh, the Olympics and, and so on. Uh, but uh, more people will probably gain their impression of it from the coverage of it than from the live broadcast. So that's what you're trying to, you're trying to make sure that coverage is fair and that we get some good analysis from the point of view of Bible-believing conservatives. Absolutely. For instance, a survey came out today that showed that Senator Obama's support by 
evangelicals has now dropped down to as low as 17 percent. Um, I I think that that's because of the ongoing process of discernment that I was talking about earlier, um, because I think that a number of his positions, such as the one that you uh, ran at the at the top of of our segment on your show, uh, indicate how really far left Obama is and how firmly committed he is uh, to the pro-abortion cause in the country. So I hope that those things are fully revealed. And I hope that uh, Senator McCain shows the sincerity of his faith. I believe that he is a man of genuine faith. He may not be a man of of a great deal of uh, of uh, depth in his faith or depth yeah. exactly in terms of uh, having worked out uh, theology and revelation and salvation and, and so on but I think he is a man of sincere faith and yet he is so reluctant to speak about it that it really winds up uh, turning off the very people that, that he needs to reach through this forum so I hope he's more transparent Penna, I was in a room in New Orleans a couple of months ago a very friendly room to Senator McCain, four or five hundred conservatives from around the country, and lots of good Q&A. And one person asked him simply to give his personal witness, his testimony to his faith. What is the role that your faith <clears throat> plays in your life? How did you come to faith? And so on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what Senator McCain did next was just stunning. Instead of talking about his own faith, he told the wonderful, touching, and often told story about Lieutenant Christensen, who was a fellow prisoner with him in the Hanoi Hilton, somebody who uh, had uh, led uh, prayers and, uh, and recitation of the pledge and had personally made, uh, stitched out a, a U.S. flag that they uh, set before them at night uh, surreptitiously when the guards weren't watching. And he was taken out and beaten for that. So it's a, it's a wonderful, touching, powerful story about faith. But the question was about Senator McCain's faith. Right. And he answered by talking about Lieutenant Christensen's faith. So well, I hope he doesn't do that kind of, uh, of false step uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, you just kind of have to wonder if he just likes to be quiet about his faith. But in this particular race where one candidate, Barack Obama, is making his faith an issue... Uh, I think people do need to hear about John McCain's faith. Uh, One other question I have for you, and actually I don't have it for you because we're about at at the end of the segment. But, Colin, I appreciate your uh, being with me today. If anybody wanted to participate in that call, if there's anyone listening that would like to, how do they do so? Well, it's really only for for reporters and and producers and so on. So the idea is it's for the people who will then be writing about uh, or broadcasting about uh, this this uh, session, but uh, Christian Newswire, Standard Newswire, and Newsguest dot com uh, all provide uh, some good information. Okay, on. that's good. Yeah. Oh well, that's where we'll get it. Great. Uh, terrific. Thank you very much for joining me today, Colin, and I wish you all the best with uh, this particular event that you are planning. Thanks, Pennis. Bless you. Bye bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there are folks calling in on that with questions they would like Rick Warren to ask Barack Obama. And uh, we will take those calls after the break, so stay with us. I also want to just talk a a little bit more about this Democrat platform and uh, Barack Obama's position and John McCain's position 
on uh, some of the issues that we really care about, including the sanctity of life. We'll try to get that all in in the next segment. Stay with us. got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field. And Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit criswell.edu. Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Some people argue that the federal ban on abortion was just an isolated effort aimed at one medical procedure, that it's not part of a concerted effort to steadily roll back the hard-won rights of American women. That presumption is also wrong. Within hours of the decision, an Alabama lawmaker introduced a measure to ban all abortions. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. He can't even condemn the partial birth abortion procedure, because that's what he was talking about. He was talking about the court decision upholding the ban on partial birth abortion. And uh, Barack Obama has also said that he would, uh, as one of his first acts as president, sign the Freedom of Choice Act into law, which would basically bring back partial birth abortion, and it would wipe out the pro-life laws, the laws restricting abortion, parental consent, informed consent type laws, waiting periods, uh, all those different types of laws would basically wipe them out. States would not have the right to pass these laws. And uh, that's what's at stake in this election. Also, uh, Barack Obama saying he will continue to stand up for freedom of choice, including appointing justices to the Supreme Court. I have worked on these issues for decades now. I put Roe at the center of my lesson plan on reproductive freedom when I taught constitutional law not simply as a case about privacy, but as part of the broader struggle for women's equality. Stephen Pam will tell you that we fought together in the Illinois State Senate against restrictive choice legislation, laws just like the federal abortion laws, uh, federal abortion bans that are cropping up. I have stood up for the freedom of choice in the United States Senate, and I stand by my votes against the confirmation of Judge Roberts and Samuel Alito. 
And when he said he fought uh, hard in the Illinois state legislature, he fought hard uh, against a Born Alive Infant Protection Act, which gives medical care to the victims who are still alive of botched abortions. He fought against that, and uh, he uh, made it... uh, he, he actually made it impossible for it to be passed in Illinois. And that story is a story for another day because uh, we are taking your calls here. We want to know uh, what you would like to see asked of the two presidential candidates on Saturday at Rick Warren's church. Let's go to Frank and Little M. Hi, Frank. Hi, Penna. How are you? Great. You know, this just listening to this whole thing, I mean, it just sickens my stomach as a strong pro-life conservative to listen to someone like this even talk to a group like Narrow or any of these pro-abortion groups. But I would hope that Rick Warren would say to him, or to both candidates, he would say, um, you know, to both of them, you know, given that you have both espoused Christian values, at least you've indicated so, and you believe in a higher power, how, you know, um, something along the lines of when do you personally believe believe that, that life begins in the womb? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think that, to me, is the most critical thing. He can talk about protecting women's rights and reproductive rights, but if he believes at all that a child in the womb deserves protection, I don't know how he can reconcile that view with his views on women's reproductive rights. It just doesn't make sense, Tana, to me. It doesn't make sense to me. This would be a tough question for McCain, too, because uh, of his position on embryonic stem cell research. So it would be good uh, to hear the answers of both of them. Exactly. That would be the number one question, uh, I think, that should be asked. We'll see if it is. It may be asked. You never know. Rick Warren may ask the question. He is pro-life. Let's go to Mary in Little Elm. Mary, thanks for calling in. Yes, thank you. Uh, I really have a comment more than a question. I think the issue of poverty is so directly related in our country to the collapse of traditional marriage that I think it's the natural and obvious way of approaching both those issues by Rick Warren. Uh, there are so many in our country who, living as single parents and so on, whose families really are in poverty precisely because their marriages have failed. Uh, so uh, I hope that he does cover that issue because it relates not only to Christian people but non-Christian people in so many areas of our country, particularly urban America, where the collapse of the family is destroying whole neighborhoods and segments of the society. Do we have smart listeners on Jerry Johnson Live or what? That is a very good point, Mary. And, you know, the family was God's idea. And when uh, we destroy the family, a lot of things go wrong, and this is one of them. And so when you go back uh, then to this either-or idea, are you for helping the poor? Are you for uh, fighting AIDS worldwide? Are you for uh, taking care of the environment? Does that exclude you being either pro-life, pro-family, against the homosexual agenda, against uh, same-sex marriage? No. You could have a conservative sort of slate of ideas and be very consistent uh, because, in, in a sense, uh, the family is one of the most fiscally conservative. The promotion of the family is one of the most fiscally conservative policies that you can have. I remember Phil Schlafly saying that uh, the family is a much better Department of Health and Human Services than uh, you know any man could create, and that is very true. Thanks, Mary, for that call. Let's go to Fabian in Fort Worth. Uh, hello, Fina. How are you doing? Great. Go ahead. 
Uh, I, I have two questions actually for um, for have... um, the candidates. Uh, okay. The first one is um, we have seen that in the, in the last um, um, few days, Russia has attacked Georgia, and uh, many many innocent people have suffered. We are seeing that Russia is increasing um, its possession of armaments and uh, weapons and other things. And uh, as far as I understand, Obama is uh, is proposing to reduce the armament here in the United States. Right. He's also so, against uh, expanding our missile defense system, which would be in that part of the world the next step. Go ahead. I know you have more. So, um, how is he planning to defend the United States and reducing the, the armament in that way? Yeah, I don't know uh, if if that'll be asked, but it would be an interesting question, and it would actually show, I think you would get some uh, good views of their national security ideas, because um, McCain's are fairly well thought out, and I think by now, uh, perhaps on the vacation, Obama's had some time to sort of solidify some of the things he will say, especially about this Georgia conflict. I, I noticed that you also would like... Uh, the question asked about reducing government debt, and that's another good one. And ladies and gentlemen, I wish we could take more because people are calling in. Uh, but unfortunately, the clock is perhaps our enemy here. Here's some um, basic questions that I think need to be asked. What is your position on man-woman marriage? I think that should be a clear question asked by uh, Rick Warren. Where do you stand on par- partial birth abortion and the killing of nearly born babies? They're going to have to answer very clearly. I think that's a fair question for Rick Warren to ask. Would you sign the Freedom of Choice Act, which would pretty much wipe out restrictions on abortion? Uh, How can the federal faith-based initiative survive without hiring protections for religious charities? In other words, could religious charities hire who they want? Those would be great questions for the two candidates. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.